Just a quick word before we start. This episode is part of our Session Zero character creation session. It's a good time to get a feel for the cast and learn where some of the characters have been before the beginning of our story, and also get a glimpse at the system. But if you want to jive straight into the adventure, our first regular episode is already in the feed, The Sinking Star, Part 1. Whatever you choose, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Part 2 of our Session Zero for Endeavor, a Star Trek Adventures actual play. I'm Brandon, your GM for the show. Over the course of this show, we will follow the adventures of the USS Endeavor in the year 2420 on a new deep space mission leading Starfleet to seek out new life and new civilizations once again. If you have not listened to the first part of our Session Zero, I would suggest you go back and do that to meet a couple of our other characters. This episode will be us finishing out character creation to get the rest of our crew and talk about how they interconnect. So, without further ado, let's meet our cast. My name is Nicole, and I'll be playing Captain Verity Varel. Hi there, I'm Christine, and I will be playing Lieutenant Kai, the Endeavor Science Officer. Hi all, I'm Leah. You haven't met me yet. Hello, and I'm Brad, and you also haven't met me yet. But we're about to. But we're about to. Just as a brief recap for anybody who, for some reason, still hasn't gone back and watched the previous ep- watched the previous episode, <laughs> listened to the previous episode before doing this, we are taking our characters through the life path creation system offered by Star Trek Adventures so that we get to see how they evolved and became the people that they will be at the beginning of our story. We already met the captain and our chief science officer last time. So, Brad, I think it is your turn. That's correct. All right. So first things first, how about you tell us, I guess, what your role on the ship is going to be and what species your character is? My role on the ship is going to be that of executive officer. Now, we'd uh, talked a little bit about uh, a secondary role as well, and that of being sort of the ship's counselor as well. Sometimes you meet weird stuff in deep space. Exactly. Got to have somebody to talk to. And uh, species is going to be Orion. Just felt I wanted to go with something's really classic. Yeah, you really did just like load all of the aliens who are classically antagonistic species. I was just onto the I ship. Was about to say that we're like the <laughs> we're just twisting everything up. Like we're all used to be the villains, and now look at us. Yeah. Now we're in charge of Starfleet. I mean, I guess we we do see Orion's other times. Um, I just don't ruin it. All right, so Brad. You're going to be an Orion. Uh, for anybody who's not sure off the top of their head what that is, they are the classically just green-skinned species. Date back all the way to the beginning of TOS. One of the, I guess, the, probably the oldest alien species in Star Trek, other than like Vulcans. That's correct. We don't see a ton of them in Starfleet uniform, but how about you tell us a little bit about what being an Orion does for your character? Well, being an Orion, I mean, other than just being green-skinned and things like that, Orions are known for their pheromones that affect humanoid brains to a certain degree. The uh, males had a lesser degree of that than the females of the species did. Orions are also sort of associated with the Orion Syndicate and being sort of criminal in nature. Yeah, the Syndicate being a a pretty large, essentially pirate power. Exactly. And it has very criminal-like backgrounds. So you're looking at uh, a lot of clan things and clans and mafioso type 
characters and their background and the way the Orions were brought up and started off. So it'll be interesting to find out how your character found their way into a Starfleet uniform. Exactly. And and as a counselor, no less. Yes. So what attributes does being an Orion boost for you? The Orions get a plus one in daring, plus one in fitness, and a plus one in presence. Uh, and what talent are you picking up here at, at your species step? On this one, looking at the Orions and sort of the way they were brought up, I was looking at the uh, species talent of Studious, which is just a general talent. But uh, mm-hmm. whenever you spend one or more momentum to obtain information, you may ask one additional question. So is that kind of your character being, I guess, uh, more thoughtful about gathering information? Is that just sort of a natural thing for them? Absolutely. I think that uh, the way they were brought up in their culture, that they were had to pay a lot of attention to what was going on around them. And we'll see that more with uh, talking about their upbringing, things like that. But I think the Ryans would have to be there, have to study whoever they're going to make their mark. Speaking of their upbringing, what kind of planet did your uh, character come from? It's one of the bigger colony worlds, but uh, sort of a split off from the home world. I think it was the uh, planet Ectair. E-C-T-A-I-R. Okay, is that an Orion planet? That is an Orion planet. Is it a, a busy colony? It would be a busy colony, yes. It'd be involved in a lot of trade. I mean, the leading families of it would be ex-pirates, but were involved in in politics and negotiations between Starfleet and the Orion Syndicate and the Orion regular government as well. For... Busy colony, you get a bump to an attribute and a discipline. So what attribute and what discipline are you choosing? Well, the attribute I will choose is, of course, presence. Give you plenty of exposure to negotiation. Yeah, very much negotiations and persuasion and all along that line. And the discipline I chose would be command. You are already so much more of a talker than me. (laughs) (laughs) I know, which is weird. I'm not. As a person, I'm not technically the best talker in the world, but I can. Hey, I'm not the best scientist in the world, so... <laughs> yeah. Hey, role-playing. Yay. Christine couldn't even defend her character's thesis last time. <laughs> <laughs> so what value did you pick up from growing up on this planet? Well, with the background that we talked about, and with the sort of the criminal history... My value is that of loyalty is more valuable than latinum. Ooh. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Loyalty is just something you cannot, uh, you can't buy it. You can trade it. You can do things like that. But it's very important to have that in the clan structure and the family. Do you think that was a lesson that was imparted on your character by someone or was this sort of learned from experience that would definitely be just the overall experience of growing up on Ectair, the main family the that controls it amongst all the orions that loyalty is going to be the most important thing you don't want to go against clan so speaking of growing up what kind of upbringing do you have well i had the uh, upbringing of a diplomatic and political upbringing high five <laughs> <laughs> So were your character's parents local government types or something like that? No, I wasn't actually raised by my parents, per se. The way it works in Orion society is that at a young age, you're taken and you're interned 
with a major clan family. So it's the clan family that gives you the upbringing. They test you out as a, a child and figure out what your best attributes are, what your talents lie in, and then they train you up on how to do that. And then they will pass you on to other families or skilled people in order to further train you in the areas that you seem to have talents in. This clan recognized your character's talent for diplomacy. That is correct. The clan noticed that I was very good at talking and that I was very outgoing for the uh, a male Orion, and that got me into the diplomatic and political track. So a fun choice that comes with your upbringing. Did you accept this upbringing or did you rebel against it? I believe the other two characters that we've met so far both rebelled. And I accepted my training. Oh, I'm a square. <laughs> I'm not a, I wasn't a rebel in that. <laughs> this is just so you can become prettier. Well, maybe. So accepting that diplomatic and political upbringing bumps your control by one and presence by two, I believe. Yeah, presence by two and control by one. And then you get some disciplines and focuses. What are you uh, getting from this from this upbringing? All right. Well, the uh, discipline will bump my command by another one. The focus was diplomacy, of course. Good solid focus to take at this stage. And the talent. I was looking through all these and found this was just really, I felt this really felt well and well. It's the diffuse the tension command talent. Super good one, yeah. And I can imagine that probably came in handy in, in some situations with the Orions. Yes, it does with the family. They oftentimes tend to get accused of being pirates and slave traders and things like that. That It's not necessarily true all the time. So was your character involved in any uh, illegal stuff or were they kind of on the up and up? There, there's definitely a part of the Orion people that are, are a, a government that more or less follows rules and so forth. And there's the syndicate, which is criminal by Federation standards at the very least. So, Well, my clan was in charge of Ecter and I have a house for this. So it was the house of Mosifar and they're involved in a little bit of everything. So there's good, upstanding, straightforward businesses and then there's not so above the board so i was involved in all of that and it's a little bit of the reason why i would ended up leaving so tell us a little bit about how you made your way to starfleet academy since that's the next step the mozafar clan although was very instrumental in smoothing that transition of some of the orion colonies into the united federation of planets they ended up collapsing in the end so when the the mozafar clan collapsed there wasn't really anybody to be loyal to anymore. There were lots of people that were coming up. And being a junior person in the negotiations with the United Federation of Planets, he would have found that um, the aspects of Starfleet and how different it was intriguing. And that's how he ended up going to Starfleet. He's a little bit older, probably, probably about 20 or so when he applied to Starfleet. Was this a situation where like a Starfleet officer sort of supported his entry into the academy? I think so. I think there would be somebody that mentored him into that. If you want, Brad, uh, did you have somebody in mind or would you like to make a character connection? I do here? not have anybody in mind yet. I have a former captain, a Captain Kowalski. That could have been somebody that wrote your recommendation letter. Captain Kowalski. That could work. And that would be maybe one way we ran into each other earlier. All right. I like that. I had a biology teacher named Kowalski in high school, so now I'm sorry. This captain is just kind of this soft-spoken nerdy guy. 
Well, he's he's very dead. So bomber, but also soft-spoken and nerdy. So after uh, Captain Kowalski sponsored your entry into the academy, what uh, what track did you follow? All of the command track. It's a popular track. Absolutely. So I guess that would improve my presence by two and my insight by one with my attributes coming from that because I'd be focusing even more on my ability to speak and to inspire the crew, I guess. And then also uh, the insight of being able to see what's going on with people, being able to read them. The things that are not explicit. Correct. And the uh, disciplines, I would increase uh, command by two. Medicine by one. Sure. Because of counseling, I assume. Yes. And security by one. Always a good one to have, just in case. What kind of inspired you to take those up as your minors? Like, why were those some of the other topics you were interested in studying at the academy? The medicine is really more of that that counseling background. Having grown up and doing the negotiations and those type of things with other species, having learning the psychology of how people act, it would have been fascinating for me to learn how to, unfortunately, learn how to manipulate people a little bit as well. And with security, it's just always good to be able to uh, back yourself up when words fail. Words don't typically fail, but they can. And it's good to have a little bit of things to fall back upon. Good answers. Do you think your character struggled learning to sort of interact with people the Starfleet way rather than the Orion way? Because like you mentioned manipulation, which is something that, you know, some Starfleet officers are, are, are good at, but it's probably not something they super teach at the Academy exactly. That's something he very definitely struggled with. The Starfleet way is not the Orion way. It, it is a little bit of a struggle with it. I mean, Orions tend to be more of the... I know hedonistic type of background and enjoying all the good things in life and Starfleet's a little bit more is different than that. And that is one of the things that sort of intrigued him by that. So he definitely runs into that. And some of the rules of Starfleet are sometimes a little hard to understand why they do the things that they do, which leads into the value I have here, which are rules or guidelines with lots of gray areas for maneuvering. Fair enough. That's a, that's a solid one to come out of Starfleet Academy with. Commander, I think we're going to get along perfectly. <laughs> I just imagine that during the Academy here that he would get into trouble quite a bit for running, I don't know, some underground things and getting things for people that they probably shouldn't have had. Or doing things that were not quite on the up and up from time to time, and like homebrewed Romulan ale. Hey, you don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> the captain might be brewing the ale, but uh, I definitely know how to run the shop and make everybody a real, really enjoy themselves. So what I'm hearing is we're going to be kind of a sketchy ship. It sounds like we're a little bit of a sketchy ship, yeah. So, Brad, what sort of uh, focuses did your character pick up at the Academy? All right. Well, the uh, focuses I have here are team dynamics, composure, and inspiration. So all, all very leadership kind of things. Exactly. And then what talent are you picking up from the Academy? For this one, I chose one that sort of um, feels sort of standard for this one is a supervisor command. Yeah, the ship's crew support increases by one. And what that... Uh 
allows you to do is call on supporting cast members a little more often in each adventure. Uh, characters who are on the ship because you know it's not just four people on the entire ship but who are not player characters yeah, i felt that was a good one for him just to have learned there because i mean with his background he'd been subordinate to everybody but this is uh, the first time he actually was out there in charge of other people and asked to do that so he really picked it up and learned how to be a good supervisor so the next step uh your starfleet career since you're the first officer of the Endeavor, presumably you've got a bit of experience under your belt by the time of uh, when we start our story. So are you are you more experienced officer or are you going veteran officer in this case? I am going experienced officer. So which talent are you going to pick up and what value are you going to learn from your prior years in Starfleet? Going through all these talents, I really liked the one called Cold Reading. So basically what it is, is that you're able to get better information from these social interactions. And then what value? The uh, value is um, sort of going along with this, and it has to do with the crew of the ships that I would have been involved with, is that small gestures go a long way with the crew. Nice. So you're looking out for everybody under your authority. Exactly. The kind deed, the kind word, occasionally something that you know that they are like or do to small gifts. And I'm figuring that during this time, he's also sort of operating as a, when he wasn't a part of a ship, maybe as a counselor. Or was, when he was coming up, maybe worked as a counselor on one of the ships as well. Sure, or, or at Starfleet Command or something like that. Some some posting that's counseling. Or Deep Space Five, where the <laughs> bad year happened. Not everybody can go to Deep Space Five. Maybe he was there during the good year. It was just all <laughs> parties. Look, lots of people need a counseling in 2418, okay? <laughs> Probably not out at Deep Space Five during that, but maybe after you all came back, maybe had some counseling with you all at that point in time. Are you choosing your career events or are you rolling your career events? I've chosen one. Okay. Because it makes sense to me for the counseling. And that is uh, the death of a friend. So early on in my career, I had one of my close friends who was a fellow lieutenant uh, that we... Uh, had gone to the academy together. I had not named him yet, but I figured this would be a human. I can't think of the last name, but the first name I'm coming up with is Jonas. So Lieutenant Jonas. Riley. I'm just throwing out a name. My instinct was brothers, and that was not a real last name. So, <laughs> oh, oh, so my first instinct was Quinn, and then Mine I'm like, was okay, also no, Quinn. yeah, I got to think in a different direction. So jo- Jonas Riley. There, there. That's my contribution. Jonas that sounds great to me. Jonas Riley. I don't know. There is a part of me that I would be all, all about Lieutenant Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Real I wouldn't be Real able talent. to ever say it with a straight face, but... D- damn shame, lose him. A good man like Brothers. <laughs> oh, he was like a brother to me. Hey. Oh. Hey. He probably gets that a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rip. Wow. It was a death of a friend. Yeah. So how did Lieutenant Riley die? Thinking it was a uh, some sort of uh, ship accident. Lieutenant was one of those people that uh, was killed during a one of those accidents that the ship has when a subspace anomaly happens and the hull is breached and is exposed to space and they were sucked out into space. Mm. That's a bad way to go. It is. 
what kind of officer was Lieutenant Riley? What department were they? I would say that they were probably in, I'm going to go with engineering. So they may have been like in a dangerous area trying to keep the ship from exploding or something like that. Very likely. I would say that it was probably something that was, um, the ship got hit by the spatial anomaly and then it was damaged. And when they went to repair that area, further damage occurred. And he's one of those crewmen that gets sucked out and just one of those typical things in Star Trek where they say we have this many casualties or this many lost crew and just it was just one of those other lost names to the Starfleet roles. They knew the risks, etc. Exactly. So Death of a Friend bumps your insight by one and your medicine by one and gives you a focus. I'm putting that as the reason why I really uh, chose to go more into the counseling at that point. Through my experience of dealing with grief at that point in time, is where I started to apply my trades a little bit more into that, into counseling. So were you um, prior to that in a more traditional sort of command track role? Yeah, junior officer of some sort of on the ship, probably in security at that point in time, something like that. Pouring out for Lieutenant Riley. My poor friend, Jonas. So are you going to roll your second career event? Yes. Okay, let's find out what it is. Well, that's actually one thing I did not get out for myself right now. <laughs> I can roll one for you if you want. Please do. I'll be happy to go with that. Well, it came up with two, which is death of a friend. So unless you want to have a lot of dead friends. Damn, son. <laughs> I think I think I should probably re-roll it. Yeah, please do. Okay. I got an eight, which is conflict with a hostile culture. Ooh. Okay. So the character was involved in a major battle or or other sort of incident with someone hostile to the Federation. Let's see. Some of the potential enemies. The Romulans certainly still seem to have at least some parts of their space are sort of antagonistic to Starfleet, even if some Romulans have also integrated into the Federation by now. People like the Breen are probably still just not very nice, because why would they suddenly become nice? There's, of course, plenty of chances for like a smaller sort of altercation with planetary level species or something like that. Maybe species we don't see a ton of, like the Sheliac, since they're really ornery but also expensive. Thinking back to something that uh, Nicole and I talked about, I think it would be good to have a conflict with the uh, Romulans. So we talked about having a little bit of conflict between the two of us. Well, that would explain why didn't we didn't really take to each other at first. That would. What kind of situation do you imagine this happening in? Like what brought, I presume, whatever ship or maybe station that you were serving on at the time into conflict with some Romulan assets? It'd be a border conflict. The ship I was on was out in that area. Maybe not necessarily Kobayashi Maru type situation, but but there was a some sort of conflict with a civilian ship on the border and our ship tangled with a Romulan warbird. Ans- answering a distress call or something. Correct. So, uh... You pick up a point in fitness and a point in security and then a focus, ideally a focus that in some way um, reflects the situation, such as things like hand-to-hand combat or um, tactical systems, you know, things that that you probably learned from that situation. Was it the uh, tactical systems? The, um, or would helm operations be something like that? Yeah, you could certainly justify helm operations if you were... Doing something like that. Also, if you want to be more specific, some things like uh, evasive maneuvers, if you were maybe at the helm in the middle of a fight, 
yeah, there's lots of ways you can go with that. Really, as long as you can kind of justify how you learned it from this experience, I'm going to be fine with it. Yeah, I think I'll go with that evasive action. Imagine I was up there on the bridge and things happened and I had to fill in. So you uh, did your best to keep your ship out of danger and and by all appearances must have done at least an okay job because you're not dead. The ship survived. We weren't dealing with ship destroyed. Did you rescue the civilian ship? We saved the civilian ship by engaging with the Romulan warbird and giving it time to escape. You protected the ship long enough to... You bought the ship time. Correct. Was the ship you were on a match for a Romulan warbird? <laughs> or was this like a fight you were not going to win? Good question. I am thinking that it was something that could match up with a Romulan warbird. So I don't think he's that great of a pilot to begin with. But he was able to do some unconventional things just because he's not a pilot and was able to like do a barrel roll. Yeah, so you may have been serving on like a Galaxy-class ship or a Sovereign-class ship or something of that nature. A reasonable successor of those things. Yes. So that's your two career events. So we're on to finishing touches. So you bump two of your attributes by one each. Bumped my control and presence. I'm guessing that's going to put your presence up at that max of 12. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Uh, and then two disciplines by one each. Yes, con and medicine. And then, of course, a fourth and final value. And this one I thought about for a while because I wanted it to play in with where the character has gotten to this point. And that it was a ship's strength lies in the captain's ability to inspire their crew. Neat. Mm-hmm. So no pressure, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure nobody's going to be judging your ability to command. Uh, well, then it's, uh, it's uh, Brad's job to help me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that is his job. First officer. So what's our first officer's name? Our first officer's name is, uh, first name is Razum, R-A-Z-A-M. And his clan name is Mozafar. All right. So you're what, Commander Mozafar? Yes, Commander Mozafar. Okay. Any other notes about Commander Mozafar or any other questions people have to uh, ask Brad about our first officer slash ship's counselor? So I guess this is kind of one for Brad and Nicole. You guys have danced around some about your meetings and stuff. When exactly did you two first meet? We'd gone through several different ideas, but based on the the timeline that we're currently establishing. Probably what what did I say? About four years younger than you? Yeah, you're you're about four years younger than me. We probably met about a decade ago. When I was a lieutenant already, basically probably just before you you went into the Starfleet track of things. You would have met when Captain Kowalski sponsored Rasm's application? Yeah. So when the clan was dissolving and I was looking for a way to get out of the Orion's face of things and get into Starfleet and met Captain Kowalski and you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, we probably just didn't quite hit it off or we were competing for the captain's approval and uh then you had some sour experiences with other romulans afterwards and we didn't quite come to terms until fairly uh recently i imagine so did you pick raz to be your uh your first officer or was that just um <laughs> no i did not pick commander mozafar to be my first officer <laughs> Uh, I had another uh, first pick in mind, but something happened to him. Something suspicious? Was there foul play? 
Maybe. Damnest thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mozavar has been put here specifically because of something in the captain's immediate past that they want him to watch. Well, um, yeah, that might be the intrigue. This will be a very happy ship. Definitely no drama or angst here. I don't see that um, the commander Mozafar is going to be antagonistic per se, but I think that he's been put here to help the captain. The captain thinks he's been put here to uh, assess her. You could argue that's one definition of help. All right, so let's move on to our last player character with Leah. All right, first of all, I'm going to need John Cena's entrance music playing right now. Just that bum, 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 like right here. Just one second. I'll add it in post. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks for confirming that. Uh, you're the best. <laughs> okay, so can I say my name? Yeah, totally. All right, cool. I don't want to save it to the end. Because then I'm going to start saying I instead of she, and I don't know who I am anymore. So my character, Katarina Everly, folks probably just call her Rena for short, because there's a lot of syllables in there. Uh, then we start with the species, and she is half Betazoid, half human. Cool. So in this system, when you decide to be a um, character with mixed heritage, you choose one of the two species to be sort of the like primary one, and that's the one you get your attribute bonuses from. Uh, I picked Betazoid as my primary, uh, which gives me plus one to insight, plus one to presence, and plus one to reason. And then you will have both the human and the Betazoid traits. Out of curiosity, which parent was which? Human mother, Betazoid father. And uh, what talent would you like to pick up at this at this juncture? I felt like it was smart or whatever, but I went with empath for Betazoid because that's part of a big part of my character motivation there definitely a good one to have if you've got that betazoid biology and spoiler alert the reason i picked a greek name was for marina oh that's neat never done justice on that show so yeah no argument there the greeks are uniting i was trying to compile a quick list of like some sampler episodes from tng to kind of just showcase everything and there is no good troy episode no, they did her dirty, so, like, we're gonna do it right. Cool. Well, that's a that's a great goal to set for us. I really would like that to be the case. So, where does Rena come from? What kind of planet did they grow up on? Rena grew up on Earth, so I guess that's Homeworld? Yep, that would probably be Homeworld. And grew up in Greece, so we are, we're just gonna go that way. That attributes, I was gonna go with for environment, I can pick one. And I went with insight. Um, and under disciplines, I picked command. Uh, and what value did you learn? Values are people person. Katarina's family is very talky. They, they, they know everybody and they like to know everybody. And they are like, quote unquote, well to do in a society that like where money's not invalid, but like isn't a huge thing. Yeah. But they they are kind of that family and therefore her parents were always involved in socialite style activities for the 25th century and therefore the kids were also sort of involved in all of that and so because of that she grew up being around people and knowing how 
to schmooze and and work the room and all that other good stuff. What sort of upbringing does that mean for Arena? I was slightly torn between two, so I'm down for a little bit of help. Torn between artistic and creative and business or trade. I imagine her folks being involved in the ancient relics sort of area in which they they tend to have ties to what would be artifacts and museums and such. So I feel like either one of those would suit. Do you feel like you would, which one you choose is going to affect whether you accept or reject that upbringing? Or do you think your character is like going to be accepting of their upbringing or going to rebel regardless? Is going to accept regardless. I kind of felt like between those two, at least what jumps out of my mind is more a matter of scale. Like artistic creative feels like it might have been like smaller endeavors, whereas I like business or trade makes me think of like more management, like a larger like archaeological um, team or projects or things like that. Cool. That was my initial guess as well when I first did this. Initially, business or trade makes the most sense to me. And I do accept that because there's a lot of good things to learn in that. And I think the younger daughter is, and especially one who is, you know, trotted out to to be along and to nod prettily and stuff like that. I would want to go along with that because I'm learning at the same time, which gives me bonuses to presence and daring. And then one of command engineering or science. This is definitely a command again. So continuing to learn how to talk with people. Um, and, and from the sound of things, some of your parents trade both in a general sense and in a literal sense, it sounds like. And then you picked up a focus here as well. What sort of focus did you get? My focus here is behavioral analysis, whether it's sort of like talking over uh, drinks or like showing somebody a, a new area or like talking to new folks. I think part and parcel with being at least part fetusoid is like reading people, obviously, but so is business dealings and keeping your status in society. Therefore, that was heavily instilled. And it was sort of like, especially when she was younger, it was like when, when maybe a, a child's words aren't going to be taken, it was sit back and watch and listen. And so learning how to deal with others, whether it's in trade or in just making friends and whatnot. So is that something that one of her parents may have like really made a point to teach her over the years? That's her father, 100%. And then you picked up a talent here too. My talent is pack tactics, very much coming from the, what did you pick up? Like, what did you learn here? So the ability to always stand back and watch and then come in later. It ties into the analysis for me. Super. So how did you go from there to attending Starfleet Academy? My older brother was in Starfleet and sort of did the thing and rose to the ranks and was very, very proud of our son, uh, basically. And so Katanoon wanted to do the same thing. And her parents weren't super into it because that's two kids in Starfleet. But um, she just, you know, used her, her charm and her smile and everything else. And also desperate, desperate to always be learning. So she begged and pleaded and got to go to Starfleet. Does Rena have just the one sibling? Yes, just just the older brother. How much older, approx? Sounds like at least a few years. If you don't have an answer, that's fine. I don't, but like out, out of out of thin air, like a good eight years, like older. Okay, a pretty decent gap. Mm-hmm. By the time she enters Starfleet, he's already working his way up on a ship. So, which program did you go to at the academy? I chose operations, leaning into that that support nature, but also years and years of sort of 
being trotted out sometimes, especially with an older brother who, you know, eventually went to Starfleet and got a ship, maybe got a little tired of the limelight. So seeking a support sort of role was intriguing. So you pick up a few points in attributes. One I pick up in fitness as I sort of learn more about the different sort of schools of everything. One I picked up in reason and I believe another in insight. Rena both grew academically, intellectually, and also physically to a point as far as. Intellectually, she like in her freshman year was unsure of what she wanted to do. I think in that sense, potentially, she took an extra year in Starfleet Academy because it was like, hey, your credits don't add up, man. Like, if you actually want to get out of here, you're going to need to focus. And basically took, like, a bunch of electives because they were all fascinating and interesting to her. And one of those electives was a class on transwarp theory that was taught by potentially someone on this podcast. Wow. Character tie-ins. Yeah, so Kai has taught at uh, a class at Starfleet Academy. I think from the uh, the Transwarp Project's perspective, it was more of a, we gotta, we're being asked to send somebody. Yeah, let's send the youngest person. Nobody wanted to have to take a break from their work to go teach like Transwarp 101 or whatever. Yes, so I did that. And I don't know how what, how good of a job I did. That's really up to uh to to Rena here to um to evaluate. But I certainly taught my uh, my heart out to these freshman students who were taking the class. Definitely enjoyed the class because again, everything is fascinating and like is a sponge wants to learn everything. Um, simultaneously, Kai is a, a a new species, right? So I think. In and of himself, like, not only was the topic interesting, but so was the teacher. So I don't know how well she did in class necessarily, but uh, definitely, definitely had a good time. All right. Make me a reason science rule. Let's let's test out <laughs> your grades. Uh, I don't know. I think you have to probably roll presence science first to see how well you taught. Well, crap. Yeah, uh, it's also, I guess, important to note that was before Kai herself was in uh, in Starfleet. So we'll be kind of meeting back now as colleagues, as opposed to that old uh, mentor-student relationship. So, Leah, what was Kai's... Kai's... What was Rena's <laughs> major between engineering and security? And then what other minors did they ultimately pick up? The sort of bouncing around nature of her attitude at Starfleet initially didn't help, but the the idea of using her natural betazoid empathy, um, she decided to use it in a different sense and found that in addition to not always wanting to be in the spotlight, but also wanting to be able to still be support, she liked the idea of being in security, a way to protect folks and help find and suss out problems and and keep everything intact, that sort of a thing. Sure. So that bumps by two, I believe, and then a couple minors that bump by one. Because she's just completely ADD when it comes to classes. She got a minor at con because flying ship seems cool. And then added one in science uh, because that trans warp class was super dope. Trans warp is dope. <laughs> Kai changed one life here, at least. So. <laughs> at least one singular life. Uh, you get three focuses as well from your time at the academy. The first one I picked up is escape and avoidance. I think potentially sort of that happy-go-lucky, I'm going to try everything, didn't go super well. And and maybe like some folks were a little uh, 
hey, sit down and, and figure it out. We're all here for a reason. And so I think she learned how to take leaning into the the being a support character but also doing it to herself so genuinely knowing how to get to the back of a class or get around a group of folks and i think that lent to uh her interest in security and stuff like that leaning heavily into those things once she decided she found a a track that she liked deception and investigation as they go hand in hand uh sorry it's not investigation it's investigative techniques deception is just the other side of reading people it's reading people and then and then altering your own attitude investigative techniques because she wanted to not always just rely on her natural empath abilities but you know context clues and uh physical clues stuff like that it's not just about security in the moment it's about being able to handle the things you're not there to stop Mm -hmm. constant constant awareness of everything that's going on around you and finally, what uh, talent did you pick up from your time at the Academy? Interrogation. That's a talent? It is here. When I succeeded a task for someone to reveal information in a social conflict, I gain one bonus momentum, which can be spent on obtained information. Nice. Yeah, it's just called interrogation. I agree. It's a little bit. It sounds like a focus is why only reason why I questioned it. Mm-hmm. Do I get a value here, too? Um, out of the Academy? Yes. Oh, I bet you do. Yes, I just skipped that. Sorry. Let's see what's out there is what I picked as my time at the Academy. Like just a desperate desire. Like there was so much to learn and so much to do that even after picking a focus and a major and a track and all that, like, like that's, it's still not enough. I want to get out and go. Yeah. You're still, that's that well-rounded, that uh, interest in dabbling in everything. So how early is Rena in her career at the start of our game? Is she fresh out of the Academy? Pretty fresh. We're talking like decently fresh. With your permission, I would like to say that she was on a singular ship prior to Endeavor, but not sure. for very long. Like, I don't know the ranks off the top of my head outside of what we typically see in a show. Mm-hmm. How long would it take to earn, like, to get to Ensign? Ensign is what you are when you graduate from the Academy. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, like like when we see Harry Kim in Voyager, that is his literally his first day on the bridge of a starship. Dope. So what I personally would like is I had a short time on an initial ship, and it's during that that I would like to roll a random career event, and then I have a second career event that is what takes me off of that initial ship. Okay, absolutely. That sounds good. So uh, for before we get to the career events, we have ste- the career the- Blanket career step, I guess. So you pick up a value there that, you know, maybe represents the things you have yet to learn because you are very new. Yes. I chose calls it like I sees it, which I think is sort of that uh, even though she she knows better in social situations, I think that occasionally desperately wanting to prove her use means that sometimes she lacks the diplomatic tongue of it all. Like, doesn't take into account always chain of command or the setting that you are in or, like, what your place is necessarily. And I think that the excitement overwhelms and so that gets the better of her. Okay. Awesome. I like that a lot. And as a young officer, you get untapped potential as a talent because you have yet to fully come into your own in Starfleet. But someday, someday. Uh, so yeah, career events. So you want to um, start with the random one? Yes, please. 
Um, I'll roll, and then do you have the book that you have the book that translates it, right? Yep, I've got it right here. Cool. So I'm gonna roll ten. Ten is a transporter accident. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. The character suffered some manner of strange accident while using a transporter. I will let you re-roll this if this is just not appealing to you, but also. No, no, no. The dice, the dice have spoken. Um, <laughs> I don't want there to be any sort of like actual harm, but like. Sure. We certainly see transporters do all kinds of crazy stuff, such as duplicating you, combining you with people. Oh God, no! Uh, I'm wondering if there can be some sort of loss of. Um, I think. My my personal interpretation here is also not necessarily that the outcome of the transporter accident is still something that you live with necessarily. Um, like, I, I, I feel like you can interpret this in such a way as a weird thing happened. They fixed it, but it was memorable. Yeah. You know, you went to this alternate dimension, but we right. got you back. It's OK. You only spent a week there <laughs> or you got you got cloned, but they put you back together or whatever. What if, can I interpret it that the transporter accident isn't something that happened to me, but something that I inadvertently caused? Uh, yeah, I can go with that too. All right, I'm going to go with that, that I was, I, I don't know, shadowing. Like I was in the transporter room and potentially not paying attention uh, because I was excited about maybe folks coming over to the ship and distracted maybe the transporter engineer. And there was a like heart stopping couple of minutes where it looked like the folks that we had coming over, we were going to lose them. It was fine. Nobody, I don't want anybody died or maimed in this scenario, but um, it was like a very humbling experience. And like, I got dressed down pretty badly. And they don't let you near the transporter room anymore, maybe. No, I was not that transporter chief there was yeah no uh okay so from the transporter accident uh you bump your control by one perhaps trying to teach yourself not to do it again uh and your con by one for maybe essentially the same reason and you pick up a focus that represents something you either learned during the accident or as a as a result of the accident so things like a transporter focus or would totally be fair as well as any any number of other things that may have in some way been involved or or something that your character may have gone out of her way to learn afterwards like we'll just stick with shuttles from now on <laughs> yeah i'm like stuck in this list the list of focuses is also not exhaustive since they just all focuses function the same way mechanically oh any anything that i will sign off on is the main thing is just that you and i both understand what we expect the focus to cover Mm-hmm. so that we know like when you're making a role that the focus would apply to so everything in the book is examples which give you a lot of like oh. core common ones but like you're welcome to pitch focuses to see if i think that's fine okay but what if it was oh i don't want to metagame i'm trying not to metagame is what's going on right now because I was like, oh, what if it was like learning about another species? That's, you know, anthropology. And I'm pretty sure Kai has the same focus. Yeah, but I mean, if you can tie it into some way to like you learn about the species, sometimes there is overlap. It's not like I, I have exclusive rights to that. The other thing is focuses are relatively easy to change over the course of play. Yes. So 
if we start the game with some overlap and then people decide that maybe the overlap is not what you want anymore, uh, it's pretty easy to switch things around in this system. Can we just say like transporters? Maybe I'm interested in like sure. that kind of technology for now. You took a remedial transporter, of course. Can I ask you a question, Leah? Yes. Did you perhaps uh, pick up a nickname or something from this uh, incident? <laughs> oh, uh, I I could feel the nicknames coming at me from different folks. I did not. I did. If, if any of them were said, they were not said to my face. I just wondered if you had some sort of reputation like, uh, what is it, Barkley? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not Reg Barkley. How dare you? No, just, not that bad. But. There goes Ensign Fumbles again. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't touch anything. I distracted the... the Transporter chief, yeah. Yeah, transporters is fine. Cool. Yeah, like I said, that's that's just what you start with. It's not what you necessarily have to have forever. Yep. Cool. There can be a lot of movement. Yeah, this system is a lot less about like adding additional things to your character. That happens, but it happens slowly. It's a lot more about like changing the things your character is focusing on as they encounter new new stuff and have to lean more heavily into a given part of their role. None of very very little of character creation is like permanently binding. Just some things are slightly more difficult to change than others. But that's good to know. I can finesse it a bit. Yep. And focuses are one of the easiest things to, to be like, that focus doesn't really seem like a thing my character's focusing on anymore. Instead, we just went on this adventure with this other thing, and now my character cares about that. Uh, so you said your second one you had chosen. So what was your second career event? The second career event is Death of a Friend, and it's not on my ship, but it's on my brother's. And he is killed on his ship. Your brother is? Mm-hmm. Okay. I did not pick the way that my brother died. <laughs> I'd, I'd frankly sure. rather not. Um, That's fine. It doesn't have to be explicit right now or ever necessarily. At the moment, I'd rather not. But standard Starfleet, you sign up for Starfleet, things happen, etc. We had that discussion already. Um, so I took a leave of absence from my initial ship uh, to go home and, and be with my family. And my family did not want me to go back to Starfleet. And I said, okay. And then I went and went to, you know, my house that exists in San Francisco or wherever. And I lied. And I did go back to Starfleet is what came out of that. And then you got on the ship that's going to go as far away from your family as possible before they find out. Hey, you found out exactly what's happening here. (laughs) (laughs) What was your brother's name? Costa. I have 18 cousins named Costa. It was easy. (laughs) Uh, so death of a friend, or in this case, a family member, bumps your insight and medicine by one each and gives you a focus. Um, the focus I chose from that was starship tactics. Um, in, in the, the sort of, uh, amalgam in my brain, the, whatever was involved had to do with a firefight and he was killed in that scenario. And so that made me want to maybe learn a little bit more about you know, protecting a ship and not just like blazing, guns blazing type thing. Totally. Makes sense. So, uh, Farina, we're just down to finishing touches. So that's two points in attributes and two points in disciplines that you get to assign. Now, because of untapped potential, uh, you're not allowed to have a thing above, an attribute above 11 or a discipline above 4. 
whereas other characters can usually bump up to 12 and 5 respectively. The idea just being that you're not quite to the peak of your stuff yet. That makes sense. Um, I want to put one more in fitness because I would imagine following a security track, like being fit's important. Yep, yeah, gotta stay in shape. And I would like to add one to daring, trying to come out that shell and get stuff done. Discipline. I want to add one more to security for my sort of focus Mm -hmm. and medicine. Totally reasonable for a security officer to have. And then finally, one last value. Uh, my last value is survivor's guilt. I know I had a, I had a question for you at this point. So being a young officer, a, uh, an ensign fairly um, recently graduated, what do you think your, your role is on Endeavor? Are you like the assistant security officer? Do we have like a different chief or did something happen where we kind of have a, a abnormally young and inexperienced security officer? I don't know how badly I want to make the decision for the ch- like if there is a chief of security. Um, my my initial instinct is that I am the the second to them in whatever way, like shadowing them. But potentially something does change there. But um, I don't think she's experienced enough to be security chief at least at the start of the game. I'm down to play that if that's a thing that happens for sure. But I mean, I'm not gonna lie. If the chief of security is an NPC, things might occur That's to fair. that person. <laughs> but we can come out of the gate assuming, yeah, you are the, you know, the the assistant chief. You, you know, you're normally on beta shift doing your thing or whatever. You know, you get selected for away team duty here and there. And then, yeah, maybe something happens to that security chief later on and you get a promotion. But we're, we're not there yet. I think it makes sense to leave, like, and begin the mission not as the solo chief, uh, solo security human. Um, Whatever happens the second we are out of dry dock. (laughs) Totally reasonable. You're going far enough out that like getting new crew members while not impossible is not going to come quickly. So if there are casualties, especially in command roles, someone's going to have to step up and fill those things. So yeah, stuff might happen. But certainly at the beginning, I think it's totally fine that you're just part of the security chain of command not the head of that department maybe i escort people to and from the transporter rooms as penance i don't know <laughs> yeah maybe the security chief just like doesn't really like to do the dirty work kind of stuff so you're, you're just constantly being sent like on away missions and things oh my god yes actually please stick me underneath the security chief who was like good for nothing <laughs> he's just like i really should be on the bridge right now <laughs> Oh, and for the record, because I did pick these names because I am a trash monster, my first ship was the USS Midoriya, and my brother's ship was the USS Oikawa. And anybody who knows those references is a big nerd. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I don't yeah, I, I, I didn't get that one either. I think we're all big nerds, but just not the right kind of nerd, apparently. Nope, different nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to having our full, like, main cast for the beginning of our adventure. So. Uh, just for the sake of refreshing everybody's, I guess let's do in the order that we did character creation and tell us once more who you are and what character you're playing, you know, name, rank, and position. Okay. 
I'm Nicole. I'm playing Captain Verity uh, Varel. She is the commanding officer of the USS Endeavor. I'm Christine, and I will be playing Lieutenant Kai, the Endeavor's uh, chief science officer. I'm Brad, playing Commander Razum Mozafar, executive officer of the USS Endeavor. I'm Leah, and I am playing Ensign Katarina Everly, known as Rena, and she is a security ensign. Thank you for listening to this episode of Endeavor Through the Maelstrom. If you like the show, rate, share, and subscribe through your podcast vendor of choice. You can also find us on Twitter as at Endeavor Show. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. And you can find me on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. You can find me online at Twelfth Night. That's 1-2-T-H and Night with a K. You can find Brandon and me discovering the ways of the Force on Heroes of the Hydean Way, a Star Wars actual play podcast at thehydeanway.com or at thehydeanway on Twitter. And if you like Vikings and Norse mythology, check out another one of my shows, a Dungeons and Dragons 5e Midgard podcast, Omens Call, which can be found at Omens Call Pod on Twitter or at omenscall.com. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can find me on all the socials at Leah617. Usually I'm on Twitter, RT and stuff that makes me laugh. Come say hi there. You can also check out mischiefmedia.com for the other nerdy podcasts that I currently produce or uh, host. And you can find me, Brad, on Twitter at MacinEbedy1. That's M-A-C-H-I-N-E-B-E-D-E number one. My Twitter is at CompleteNictory. You can find other projects I'm involved in at completenight.com. That's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-K-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there. Hey folks, it's Brandon. Thanks for joining us for our second Session Zero episode. So you've met all of the characters and the main cast. So the only thing left to do is start the adventure. And good news, the first episode of our first mission is already in the feed. So check it out. We hope you enjoy your time aboard Endeavor.